0: Good morning Waypoint Church, it's good to be with you today and looking forward to sharing with you over the next few Sundays as we look together at Paul's letter to the church at Philippi. Uh, Your verse for the year as a church is from Philippians chapter 3 verse 14 which says I press on towards the goal to win the prize and uh, what I want to do over these next four Sunday mornings is to look at four themes from this letter that help us to understand what Paul meant when he talked about pressing on. How do you press on when life is is set against you, when things are tough? And the first thing we're going to think about this morning is pressure and how to handle it. Let me talk a little bit about the the letter before we share a reading from it this morning. Uh, Paul wrote the letter from pretty difficult circumstances he was in Rome, he was in prison. He'd been in custody for just over two years. Paul was a Roman citizen and had exercised the right that every Roman citizen had of a personal hearing before Caesar. But like a lot of things uh, in the legal world, he got caught in a logjam, And so he had started off under house arrest, uh, limited freedom, But now at this time, we believe, had moved into the palace and was awaiting trial before Caesar. He was under Roman guard. So in many ways, he was an expert to write about pressure because he was living under it. Now, the church in Philippi had been started by Paul probably about 12 to 15 years before he wrote the letter. He had a very special relationship with the congregation there. He knew most of them by name. They cared deeply about him and they were very worried and concerned about how he was doing uh, under this very difficult set of circumstances. And so they would gathered together some personal gifts. They'd given them to one of their leaders, a man called Epaphroditus. And he traveled all the way from Philippi, which is up in the northeastern corner of Greece. Probably not just a, a journey over land, but it would have involved a couple of sea voyages. And he'd arrived in Rome. And Paul was no doubt really glad to receive him and to hear news about his friends in Philippi and how they were praying for him. But here's the challenging thing. Epaphroditus somewhere in that process had become seriously ill Paul writes later in the letter he was so ill he'd almost died it was a life-threatening illness fever or something so can you imagine how his friends in Philippi felt they were trying to do the right thing and it had sort of bounced badly we can identify with that can't we and I think if we were summing up the situation of the congregation in Philippi at this, this stage in their history, we would probably use three words. They were discouraged, understandably so. Paul was in prison and Epaphroditus, one of their leaders, in trying to help and encourage him had, had almost lost his life. They were dry and we understand that, don't we? It's possible to get a bit dry and, and a bit sterile in our faith, doing the same thing. And that's one of the reasons why those who've studied the letter have noticed how Paul is really keen on the theme of joy. He uses the noun joy or the verb rejoice no less than 13 times in the four chapters. That tells you something about how he wants his friends to recover their sense of the joy of the Lord. And the third thing that sums them up is division. They were divided Now it hadn't become a serious split but as we shall see next week there there were some tensions in the church that needed to be addressed and Paul realised that those tensions if they weren't addressed were going to lead, lead to a serious split of some kind and so I hope you can understand that Paul is in a situation of pressure writing to his friends at Philippi who were feeling pressure too And that's what makes this such an applicable message for us to consider today. Pressure and how to handle it. Let's listen to God's word. I'm going to read from Philippians chapter 1 from verse 12 through to the end of the chapter. Maybe you can follow it in your Bible. Now I want you to know, brothers and sisters, that what has happened to me has actually served to advance the gospel. As a result, it's become clear throughout the whole palace guard and to everyone else that I'm in chains for Christ. And because of my chains, most of the brothers and sisters have become confident in the Lord and dare all the more to proclaim the gospel without fear. It is true that some preach Christ out of envy and rivalry, but others out of goodwill. The latter do so out of love, knowing that I am put here for the defence of the gospel. die as gain if i am to go on living in the body this will mean fruitful labor for me yet what shall i choose i do not know i'm torn between the two i desire to depart and be with christ which is better by far but it's more necessary for you that i remain in the body convinced of this i know that i will remain and I will continue with all of you for your progress and joy in the faith, so that through my being with you again, your boasting in Christ Jesus will abound on account of me. Whatever happens, conduct yourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ. Then, whether I come and see you or only hear about you in my absence, I will know that you stand firm since you were going through the same struggle you saw i had and now here that i still have and this is the word of the lord thanks be to god pressure and how to handle it as i've thought about these verses three things have come to me about handling pressure the first sounds a bit obvious, is that pressure is normal. If you look at that last verse that we read together in verse 30, Paul uses an interesting word. He says to his friends in Philippi, you're struggling as I'm struggling. We share in this pressure together. But it's the word struggle. It's the word in the English language, which we've borrowed from the Greek language, is the word agony. In other words, Paul's talking about something that's deep and very painful. But notice what he says in the preceding verse. It's been granted you on behalf of Christ, not only to believe in him, but also to suffer for him. To use a phrase, it's par for the course. It's normal. It is to be expected. And we need to remind ourselves of that from time to time. Many, many centuries ago, a Christian leader said, we have a battle on three fronts. We fight against the world, which stands opposed to God, the flesh, that's our old sinful nature that keeps resurrecting, and the devil, the enemy, who prowls around seeking those he can devour. So we remind ourselves that yes, pressure's normal. Now I agree, these last months have been extreme, but actually for anyone wanting to live a godly life, there will be pressure because the way of following Jesus is a narrow pathway. I remember some years ago, visiting an Eastern European country when the Iron Curtain was still very much up and steadfast. And I was listening to a church leader talk about the pressure of living under a communist regime that didn't like Christians and did their best to put them under pressure. And he talked about surveillance, uh, being arrested. He talked about believers in his congregation who'd served time in labor camps. And very naively, as I listened to him, I just sort of interjected in the conversation, oh, How hard that must be, how difficult. And he stopped and looked at me and said, Ian, I don't know what version of the New Testament you read, but what we're going through is normal. Maybe in the West, the kind of pressure that you're under is is different, more subtle, but pressure is normal. That's an important reminder. Pressure is part of the privilege of following Christ. And the second thing I want you to notice is that vision and values are essential. If you notice, Paul talks very clearly about the positive repercussions of him being in prison. Right at the very beginning of that reading, he says, what has happened to me has actually served to advance the gospel. Now that on the surface sounds strange. Paul's in prison this church planter, this pioneering apostle has been out of action and yet he says what's happened has advanced the gospel but then he goes on to explain what he means, he says it's become clear to the whole of the palace guard and to everyone else in Caesar's palace that I'm here because of Jesus. In other words, what he's saying is I've had opportunities to share the good news with people that I would never have come into contact with. Paul is demonstrating what it means to be a big picture Christian. I freely admit there are times in my life when I think the sum total of what God's doing in his world is reflected in what's happening in my life. What an arrogant, self-centered picture that is. But Paul had the ability to stand back from his personal circumstances and say, do you know God's at work? He says, not only has it been made clear throughout the palace guard, these cracks, uh, troops who serve Caesar, that I'm here for the sake of Jesus. But others in the palace, administrators, people who visit, they've become aware of why I'm here. But also, he says, people have stepped up to the plate. People have owned responsibility. Some, he said, are doing it out of a sense of selfish ambition. I'm out of the way so they can make a name for themselves. But Paul says, I don't really care about that. The important thing is, that in every way, Jesus is preached. And he, he comes up with a, a lovely sting in the tail at the end of this letter. If you turn to chapter four, the Last but one verse of chapter four, verse 22, Paul signs off with a greeting and he says, all God's people here send you greetings, especially those who belong to Caesar's household. He's saying, do you know there are people here in the palace of the most powerful man in the known world who've come to know Jesus. How's it happened? Because I'm imprisoned here. In my circumstances, God is at work. And as we look back through these difficult months of 2020 and 2021, God has been at work. We can point to friendships that have been started. Some of us know of people who've come to faith in Christ, people who have begun to pray and they've never prayed before or they haven't prayed for years. God is at work in the pandemic, in our nation, across the world. God is working his purpose out and he's building his kingdom. I know that I need often to pray for perspective, to be a big picture Christian and to say, Lord, will you show me what you're doing? Even though my circumstances are difficult, Help me to see the good things that are happening. Paul's vision. But what about his values? (laughs) He talks about these in the letter very, very honestly. Uh, He talks about his purpose for life. It's there in verse 20. Christ will be exalted in my body, whether by life or by death. He's saying that's, that's my reason for living. He then talks about his philosophy of life. How does he embrace life and its pressures? He says in verse 21, for me to live is Christ, to die is gain. Every day, he says, when I get up, whether it's in prison or whether I'm out on the open road, I know God's got a purpose for me, for me to live is Christ and to die. Well, that's gain. I love the way our friends in the Salvation Army put it. Uh, one, One of their number is... Called to be with the Lord they say they've been promoted to higher service you get the feeling there don't you that it's not the end it's entering into a new beginning and then Paul writes about his problem in life verse 22 what shall I choose he said there are days when I, I just long to go and be with the Lord now in case you think he's got an unhealthy death wish remember he's in prison And there must be times when he felt the weariness of soul, the weariness in his body, the uncertainty of what was going to happen, and he would have thought, Lord, I'd love to just come and and be with you. Some of us today are at that stage in our lives where perhaps we know more people in heaven than we do on earth. But God has a purpose. And Paul says, every day I know, (laughs) I'm torn between the two, but I know that, well, for me to live is Christ, to die is gain. Friends, our values are important. And sometimes when we're under pressure, it's a bit like a, a, a boat being caught in, in a storm at sea. Everything is trying to knock us off course, but we need to do all that we can to hold our course. The elements may battle against us, but we hold our course by God's grace and God's strength. You see, our values is where our theology puts its clothes on and goes out to face the real world. Paul, under pressure, held on to his values and he put them against his circumstances and he found equilibrium. That's why we need to preach the gospel to ourselves daily. Remind ourselves of all that God has done for us in Christ Remind ourselves of our vow to follow Jesus, come what may, and to find the strength that God supplies through the power of his spirit. Just yesterday in this, my my office where I work, a student knocked on my door and asked if we could spend some time together. And he was struggling, struggling as a result of the pandemic and different circumstances that that had brought into his life. It was a really good thing that he didn't struggle with that alone, but he shared it. We sat, we talked, we prayed, and he walked out of this room lighter and feeling the presence of God in his life. Maybe today we need to be honest with those closest to us. Maybe send an email or make a call to someone in our life group and share where we are. Because when we share our struggles, we find others can come alongside to share the burden and to pray and to encourage us. So lesson number two about pressure is that vision and values are essential. And here's the third lesson. And it brings us to your theme verse for the year. The third lesson is under pressure, forwards is always the best direction. As your verse says, Paul's words, I press on to win the prize. I'm pressing on, not giving up, not turning back, but I am pressing on. But notice it's not just a kind of, oh, well, <laughs> nose to the grindstone, shoulders to the wheel, let's just press on. No, it's, it's pressing on with a sense of purpose, with a sense of hope and with a sense of joy. I'm pressing on because I've got a destination that I'm heading to. I'm pressing on because I have a Lord who loves me and gave himself for me. I'm pressing on because of that heavenly reward. I'm pressing on now because God has got more things for me to embrace, to discover, to know in my life day by day. That's how Paul's vision and values worked out in practice. I am going to press on, says Paul. John Piper, the American preacher and writer, has a phrase that's often quoted. He, he wrote this, God is most glorified in us when we are most satisfied in him. God is most glorified in us when we are most satisfied in him. Maybe that's something we need to set as a, a direction today. I press on. And whatever the pressure may be heaping on me, I'm determined to press on in the name of Jesus. Some years ago, we lived in a house um, that had a sunken garden. And what that meant was if ever you were doing anything uh, on the roof or decorating the upstairs part of the house, you had to put your ladders up to the full extent. Now, I freely admit I don't like heights. And one particular day, I'd gone to replace some slates that had broken on our roof. I, I climbed up, I got off the ladder, I, I fixed the slates. And then my day started to go wrong because I, I, I was paralyzed. I couldn't get back onto the ladder. I was obsessed with the feeling that it was going to move as soon as I put my foot on the rung. My wife, Ruth, thought he's been quiet for an unusually long period of time. And she came upstairs and poked her head out of the bathroom window. And she said, as soon as I saw you, I knew you were in trouble. You were white and you were shaking. I was completely gripped by fear. I was overwhelmed by the pressure of my circumstances. We tried everything. She went downstairs and held the ladder. She even tied it to the side of the house with some very strong rope. But it was no good. I was utterly convinced that as soon as I put my foot on that ladder, it was going to move and I would fall to my death. Ruth eventually came up with an answer. She said, I'm going to have to phone the fire brigade. That's what politicians call a defining moment. We lived in a small village and I knew that the fire engine coming would cause a a bit of distraction and, and probably a crowd would gather. And I thought, I've got a choice here. I can die of a broken neck or I can die every day for the rest of my life as long as I live in this village by being known as the man who had to be lifted off the top of the roof by a fireman. So I have to tell you, it wasn't courage that won the day. It wasn't the power of prayer. It was male pride. I put my foot on the ladder and I got back down safely to the ground. Now that day I learned three important lessons. That When you're under pressure and overwhelmed with fear, It can actually distort your perception of what's real. That's lesson number one. Lesson number two is that it can paralyse your actions. You don't respond normally. Lesson number three is if you want your roof fixed, pay a man to do it for you because it's a lot less stressful. Now that lesson is not so important this morning, but the first two really are. When we're under pressure, our perception of reality is distorted and our reactions, our responses are paralysed. And that's why it's so good to come back to God's word, to find strength and refreshment there, and to be reminded that pressure is normal, that our vision and values are essential to preach the gospel to ourselves, and to affirm, as Paul did, that forwards is the best direction. I press on. Let's pray for a moment. Lord Jesus, when you were on earth and you were on that boat in the middle of the lake of Galilee and that storm blew up, and the disciples were afraid. You stood up and rebuked the elements and told them to be still. Would you do that for us today, Lord? For those of us who are overwhelmed by the pressure and feel that the picture that we have is distorted and our our actions have been paralysed by fear. Lord, Please speak into our lives today by the power of your spirit and help us to press on. And we pray this in your name. Amen.